You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. He does everything he can. God doesn't send anyone to hell. He is doing absolutely everything he can to keep people out of there. But people end there because they choose to reject God's calling and live a life of selfish disobedience. The tables have turned. And this blessed man is now singing a different tune. The Lord your God doesn't wish for any to perish. He does everything he can to have his children in heaven with him. But as Pastor Dion explains in today's study, if you don't accept his son as Lord and Savior, you leave God no choice but to send you to hell. If you choose to live a life of selfish disobedience, you will not reap the rewards found in heaven. Stop living your life for yourself and submit to the Lord's will for your life. Not only is his yoke light, but it comes with an eternity of kingdom living. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 16 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Have Jesus' statements, sermons, have Jesus' pokes ever struck a nerve, annoyed, or agitated you? It's called convictions. Somebody described conviction like this. The truth will make you free, but first it'll piss you off. Right? Conviction. Well, you weren't the first to get convicted. There were a few in Jesus' audience that day that he taught this that were hissing worse than cats at a dog pound. (sighs) Right? In fact, Jesus taught the sermon and this was the result. Luke 16, verse 14, read it. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things. And they derided him and he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. So, You know, some people fight Jesus' instruction and correction. They justify, rationalize, or defend their disobedience. But conviction is God's way of changing our attitude, our behavior. Conviction is what God uses to change our attitude, to change our behavior. Conviction is like the rumble strips on the highway. Conviction is the tool God uses to transform us into the image of His Son so that we can drive like Jesus or live like Jesus. In fact, here's what the Bible says about conviction. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, read it with me. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. 
But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Hmm. I'm going to read that again. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's conviction. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And then there's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Conviction is necessary. God gives it so it can change our attitudes and our behaviors. The people there, some of them were feeling it. And they were actually angered. They were being stupid. In fact, they said they derided Jesus' statement about investing their time, their talent, and their treasure. The word derided means that they stuck up their nose at Jesus' statement. I think we're all familiar with that. It's like this. Urale. You talking to me? That was their attitude. What do you mean? Jesus tells them to invest their time, talent, and treasure, not to waste it on themselves and their greed. And they were convicted about this. But instead of embracing it, they're like, what, were you talking to me? What? Right? They're challenging Jesus, derided him. These guys thought they were spiritual hotties, that they didn't need to learn anything. But in truth, they were like my other high school girlfriend that I had to dump. She had a body that wouldn't quit, but a brain that wouldn't start. Listen, for conviction to work, we can't bemoan it. We have to do this. Everybody say it out loud. So when the message goes out, I mean, we can try to justify and rationalize. We can try to defend ourselves and our position, our habits, our, our inclinations, our bend, our sinful lifestyle. We can try to defend it. But guys, for the conviction to work, you can't bemoan it. We have to own it. We have to admit it and change. Jesus said everyone needs to press into learning and nobody is above the law. That's what he said. The longer we reject the message or remain unteachable, the more time we lose. And in case you didn't know, there will be a day of reckoning. Wow. Our lives will be evaluated and weighed after death. Paul explained it like this to one of his congregations. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. 
And to another congregation, Paul gave a little more detail. 2 Corinthians 5.9, he said this, So our aim is to please the Lord always in everything we do. Read this part out loud with me. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged and have our lives laid bare before Him. Each of us will receive whatever he deserves for the good or bad things he has done in this earthly body. So Jesus, knowing this, asked us to invest our time, talent, and treasure in His kingdom instead of consuming it all on ourselves. And some people didn't like that. So Jesus used a story to warn us that living for self is a bad idea. Let's read it. Jesus continues. Verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared supplementarius every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So, let's get the picture. Jesus has been talking about investing our time, talent, and treasure, not wasting it on selfish living, but to invest it in others, to share and to learn to be like Christ, right? But there were some who were greedy and got very convicted and angered. And so they derided, stuck up their noses and challenged Jesus. And I loved how Jesus took care of the challenge. He simply started to tell a story. Now, the story is of two people and two opportunities and two deaths and two outcomes. The first of the two guys that Jesus describes is blessed. The first guy is blessed. He's got a nice crib, a pimped ride, designer threads. In fact, they're priestly garments. Jesus says they're purple and fine, and the word fine in Greek means pleated. So they were purple and pleated, which were the exact kind of wardrobe that the priests wore. So Jesus is saying, hey, this guy has a nice crib, this guy has, has a nice ride, this guy wears designer clothes, which in fact seem very sacred and special. He's got money in the bank, he's got money in his wallet, he eats wherever and whenever he wants. He's got more than he can say grace over. Blessed. Now the other guy, Lazarus, on the other hand, was broken. Not blessed, broken. Disabled, diseased, and deteriorating. The only ship that had come in for Lazarus was a hard ship. The fact that he is begging indicates that he has a family that he needs to provide for. But he can't work. It's not that he won't work. He just can't. He physically is incapable of working. And since there's no welfare system or disability income support, he does the only thing he can. He trusts, he puts his trust in the Lord, and he begs outside the blessed man's gate. That's all he can do. And I'll tell you why. He puts his trust in the Lord. 
You see, in the Old Testament, God had instructed those who are blessed to have compassion on those who are broken, to help a person in need and lay up treasure in heaven. That's what the Old Testament taught. In fact, it's the same instructions that we've been given in the New Testament. Here's the verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Let's read it. Teach those who are blessed in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. All right, so the Old Testament and the New Testament have the same pr protocol for people who are blessed and what they should do. Lazarus was counting on this, trusting God, saying God will provide, so take me to the doorstep of some blessed guy and leave me there because God has told them to take care of me. Are you, are you following? So he's doing the only thing he knows to do, trusting God, that the blessed man would follow God's protocol. But that's not what happened. Lazarus grew up like a lot of us, you know, with beans and rice and Jesus Christ. Lazarus grew up eating every morsel on his plate because there was not a lot. But the wealthy in this culture were very wasteful. Instead of using napkins, they would wipe their greasy hands with bread and toss it on the floor. And when the meal was over, they would wipe the leftovers off the plates with bread right onto the dining room floor. And then they would bring in the dogs to lick up the mess. Lazarus would long for those leftovers. He would pray for those leftovers. But he got more attention and compassion from the dogs than from the blessed man. All, they would go out and lick his sores. But the rich man or the blessed man never put him any attention. The blessed man deliberately ignored and rejected God's command to share and to help. He wasn't just ignoring and rejecting Lazarus. He was ignoring and rejecting God. Eventually, both of these men, the blessed man and Lazarus, died. But Jesus tells us that death isn't the end. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. 
But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Now can you imagine you're sitting in this setting and Jesus is telling this story. Listen, after death, our spirit is immediately escorted to its final destination. I know the JWs say that it's the grave, soul sleep. But I'm going to believe Jesus over the JWs. Jesus said that our spirit, which includes our mind, our feelings, and our emotions, stay very much awake and intact after death. Lazarus was at the table with all the godly characters of faith from the Old Testament. It was a reunion, a celebration. It was a comfort. No more sickness, no more pain, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more struggle. Isn't that awesome? And that's what every believer and follower of Jesus can expect when he crosses death's threshold. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Isn't that awesome? All his faculties are intact. He's being comforted. He's enjoying it. Uh, I mean, he's with, uh, in a reunion. The greedy, stingy guy, on the other hand, His body was laid in a grave where it will stay. But his spirit was escorted to this place, Hades or hell. Now Jesus talked a lot about hell. Actually, more than he did heaven. See, Jesus didn't want anyone ending up there. So he made sure to inform us that hell is not going to be a big rave with lights, liquor, and laughter. Jesus said that Hades or hell is going to be quite the opposite. Here is one of of Jesus' descriptions of hell. He said, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hell is torment. Anguish, fear, pain, regret, forever. And before you ask, how could a loving God send people to hell? A loving God doesn't send people to hell. God created hell for the devil and his demons. It was never intended for man. Man chooses to go there of his own free will. And believe me, getting there isn't easy. A person has to be hell-bent to get to hell. In order to get to hell, you have to ignore, dismiss, reject every obstacle that God puts in the way. Jesus Christ, the cross, the Holy Spirit the Word of God, the church, and faithful witnesses. 
Now you stop and think, if you look back at your life, you will have seen all of those things and how God tried to put them in your way. Various doors available for you to exit stage left from the destination and the road you were on. He does everything He can. God doesn't send anyone to hell. He is doing absolutely everything He can to keep people out of there. But people end there because they choose to reject God's calling and live a life of selfish disobedience. The tables have turned. And this blessed man is now singing a different tune. Every jukebox in hell, if there's any music at all, sings only one song. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I'd tell my family and friends to change their ways, right? That's exactly what the guy sings. Let's read it. Then that man said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers that, they, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have the word of God, in other words. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets or the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now, in this story, Jesus emphasizes that time is limited and opportunities to follow Christ abound. Time is short, but there are a lot of opportunities to follow Christ. They're all around, and they happen every single day. And by the way, someone did rise from the dead to warn us and save us. In fact, Jesus' own words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Jesus can really preach a sermon, can't he? I'm always just, man, he knows how to do it. And he works hard at it simply because people are between two worlds, heaven and hell. He's chosen you and invited you to join him. He wants to throw every obstacle possible to keep you from the other place. And he does for your unsafe family and friends as well. He's doing everything he can. Because God's love is so amazing. If you haven't given your heart and life to Christ, I am one of those voices one of those obstacles that God has put in your way from going the wrong direction. And today is your opportunity to make a U-turn. As we cling to the 
with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth. We're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Gospel of Luke. There's much more to learn from this narrative of Jesus' life, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we'd like to extend an invitation for you to join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with one another. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study beginning at 7. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on Sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think would benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Luke and discover more about Jesus and what his life and ministry means to you. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.